Hi, I'm Cindy, and this is Taiwan Ren, where you'll meet inspiring Taiwanese people all over the world. Today, we're speaking with Jenny, one of the leaders behind Keep Taiwan Free, a movement that promotes Taiwan's democratic values. It's a movement I personally wanted to learn more about, um, especially times when I feel powerless about the future state of things. So let's get started. Hi, Jenny. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Thanks, Cindy, for having me today. Um, my name is Jenny Wang, and I am a Taiwanese American. I was raised in the New Jersey, New York area, and growing up, my parents always emphasized that you know I'm Taiwanese, and never to say that I'm Chinese. And you know what? I never really questioned it because that's my identity. Mm -hmm. um, I went back to Taiwan a lot growing up to spend time with family, to eat too much, and to attend various different summer camps there. That was the first time I got to meet Taiwanese from all over the world. And it was the first time that I realized that as a Taiwanese, I am part of a bigger global community. Taiwan became so much more than just a dot on the map where my family is from. My interest turned from love to passion, to something that I will forever fight for. Um, yeah, um, now I am a, a working professional. I previously worked in the advertising industry, and now I work at an international human rights nonprofit. But aside from all that, um, my side project is that I am co-director and organizer of Keep Town Free, and Keep Time Free is a grassroots activist coalition, primarily based in New York City. And I've been involved for almost a decade now. And you had mentioned to me that Keep Taiwan Free, it's not a new organization. So can you tell us a bit of the history behind Keep Taiwan Free? Absolutely. So Keep Taiwan Free, as I mentioned earlier, is a grassroots activist coalition. And our main missions are to, one, bring attention to Taiwan's unfair exclusion from the international community to build strong support for Taiwan's meaningful participation, greater contribution and membership in the United Nations, and three, safeguard human rights and democracy against authoritarianism. And our, our main event each year has been a rally in New York City coinciding with the annual UN General Assembly in September. And participants include overseas Taiwanese, Taiwanese Americans, allies and friends from all over the country, spanning multiple generations. Um, in, in recent years, our movement has received letters of support from U.S. congressional members from both sides of the aisle here. So, for example, Representative Jim McGovern, Senator Marco Rubio. Representative Steve Shabbat, just to name a few. And also recently, we had the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Kelly Kraft, you know, do a little little shout wow. out on Twitter. So aside from the September rally, throughout the year, we do a lot of other small events, such as panels or demonstrations. And we also work closely with our friends in the Tibetan, Uyghur, Hong Kong, Southern Mongolian communities. Um, yes, this movement has been around for more than two decades. And I guess that's a fact that not a lot of people know. Mm. It was originally organized under the name of Committee for the Admission of Taiwan to the United Nations. And it was also just casually known as UN for Taiwan. This movement has been passed down generations and is now on to people like us. 
Mm -hmm. I love how literal the original name was. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) UN4, the number four, TW. (laughs) Wow. Um, I wonder, how did COVID impact this year's rally? Oh, great question. COVID, we had to get creative, you know, because, you know, all of the lockdowns and we want to stay safe. And also a lot of people that do attend this rally are a bit older, as I mentioned, that it's a very multi-generational experience. So for the first time in a decade, really, we, we did not host our rally. Instead, we had to brainstorm a bit and we planned a few high impact visual projects to help spread awareness about our mission mm-hmm. and to urge for more people from various like-minded countries to support Taiwan. And our projects included a a Taiwan care package. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, but it was this bright yellow box. And it included made in Taiwan face masks. It included t-shirts and included a personalized letter. It included a teddy bear. And basically this care package was inspired by Taiwan's democratic values and commitment to human rights and transparency. You know, Taiwan's own COVID response included enjoyable mandatory quarantines and thoughtful care packages. So that's one of the initiatives we did this year. And we also did like an outdoor street campaign where we had bike ads, bike through Manhattan, and the advertisements talked about our mission and about Taiwan's exclusion from the UN. And we also had a a billboard in Times Square. And I think those ads were super effective because that's how my cousin saw it and then told me about you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really glad that it's helping and that people saw it. And it was also really super fun to put it together. It gave us an opportunity to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. How did you originally get involved with uh, Keep Taiwan Free? It was my senior year at undergrad. For background information, I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey. And I remember um, my parents texted me in September. They were like, hey, come meet us in New York City this weekend. So I went, and lo and behold, it was the rally. <laughs> and um, I, I, the rally, when I went, I think it was the first time that I learned that Taiwan is actually not part of the United Nations. And I remember just being so shocked, right? You know, the United Nations is this international institution that claims to bring everyone together, that claims to support and believe the dignity of people, the rights of people, no matter if you're from a country that's large or small. And yet here, Taiwan is left behind. And, you know, having went to Taiwan so many times growing up, I knew, I saw, and I felt that Taiwan was just like any other country. You know, nothing felt abnormal about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got involved. I went to that rally and it really inspired me and shook me, really shook me to take more action. It shook me to read more, to learn more, to ask more questions, and to play a bigger role. Um, and this important movement and the Taiwanese community. And I've been involved ever since. Hmm. I did my own research as well. Kind of had the same shock growing up, which was, I don't get it if Taiwan has its own currency, its own political system. Right, right. It even has its own calendar, which I think that's a little bit too far. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> why is it not a country um, to a lot of people? And I realized that's when I really learned about the concept of sovereignty. Yes, yes. On that note, what what do you think is the most critical priority for Keep Taiwan Free right now? The the most critical priority for KTF, and I guess I'd like to take a step back now and encourage you and the listeners to just imagine if one day 
Taiwan no longer exists. I know it sounds crazy. It sounds outlandish. But how do we know it won't happen in three, five, 10, 20, 30 years? How do we know that this seemingly faraway possibility won't become a sad reality, right? And I know that there is no definite answer. But the best that we can all do is to do something, anything about it. And I think that's the most critical priority for Keep Taiwan Free and for Taiwan as a whole. I think we need all hands on deck. For the listeners, other than attending the rally and following you guys, you know, on social media, what what can we do? Ways that you can kind of support this, right? Hmm. Yeah, I think you know. Again, for the listeners, you know, I may not know you, but I do know there is maybe a few things that we have in common, right? And I, and it's that we care about Taiwan. We identify as Taiwanese, or have come to embrace that identity. We feel a close tie to Taiwan, and we love Taiwan. Supporting Keep Time Free is good, but it's more important to support Taiwan overall. My thoughts and my advice on this would be, one, be proactive, read the news, stay updated on current events, expand your network, expand your bubble, talk to and meet more people. Two, spread the word, you know, tell your friends, your coworkers about what you're learning. This may sound silly, but when I first joined my recent job, I used to send a weekly Taiwan Thursday email to my coworkers to share <laughs> news. In current events, uh, I have to admit, I, I do not send this weekly email anymore, but I have I, I still share things in our Slack channel. Three, be creative. You know, use music, art, poetry, or any other creative means to spread the word. Cindy, I think your podcast is a great example because you're providing a creative space for people to talk more and learn about being Taiwanese. And mm. four... <laughs> And Cindy, you found your own angle of supporting Taiwan, right? So that's my fourth mm-hmm. piece of advice. Find your own angle. Do something in a way that makes you excited and eager to spark positive change and to raise more awareness. Oh, I feel like what you're doing um, is way more important than what I'm doing. <laughs> I think it's all important. It's great to know what everyone's doing and to support one another. Yeah, and it's 100% my goal to reach the people who live maybe all over the world and maybe they feel a bit like me, um, not as connected to that community. And this is just an easy way. It's like dipping your foot in the pool. (laughs) I want to say you're so brave. You're at the forefront of leading change. (laughs) No, it's hard to imagine, but I really think it takes courage to do this and on the side, you know, in your own time. Um, What do you hope for the current and future Taiwanese generations? First of all, thank you, Cindy. That means a lot to me. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I'm at the forefront of leading change. I mean, I'm I'm by no means an expert. I was born and raised in the United States. And, you know, I'm constantly learning and relearning, awakening and reawakening. The very reason that we're able to, you know, sit here and talk about Taiwan and talk about being Taiwanese is because we're standing on the shoulders of giants, people from past generations people from today's older generations, they've endured the struggle and fought for our identity for decades. And my hope for the current and future Taiwanese generations, my hope is that they don't shy away from learning about the complexities of Taiwan's history. That sentiment of just standing on the shoulders of giants, I really do wish my parents wanted to, they were more willing to share (laughs) um, their times growing up and what that was like. And how democracy for them when they were growing up wasn't really certain and a lot of it was fought for and it's easy to forget that in 
2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have tips on how we can, or a book we you'd recommend on how we can learn more about that recent history even? Sure, absolutely. The book that I always mention is Green Island by Shauna Yang Ryan. It's a phenomenal book. It's historical fiction, but the storyline really talks about Taiwan's history, you know, from authoritarianism to democracy and what that means for families in Taiwan or families that left Taiwan during that time to come to the United States. So I think that would be my number one suggestion. And and Cindy, similar to you, my parents didn't really tell me a lot about the history and they only just told me I'm Taiwanese. But it was only when I got older and I expressed to them the frustration I felt when anyone questioned my identity. That's when they started to like open up a little more. So maybe that's a trick for everyone to take home, you know, just start asking more questions and expressing the frustration and the curiosity that you feel. What's something you've learned about yourself or that history um, by doing this work? The top two things that stick out to me are when I learned how Taiwan was once a Japanese colony. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I learned this when I was in college and it was such an aha moment. Because it helped me understand why my akong, my grandfather, knew how to speak Japanese. Because my grandfather passed away when I was young, so I never got the chance to ask him. So learning that really helped put a little put the pieces together for me. And the second thing that I learned that really sticks to me too is learning that Taiwan's first democratic elections were in 1996, and to this day, oh stunning and fascinating. <laughs> Wait, what happened before that? <laughs> We have a history lesson right now. But seriously, what happened before 1996? <laughs> well, before that, uh, Taiwan was an authoritarian regime for about three decades, and then it slowly transitioned over. But yeah, it's very fascinating. And like learning that Taiwan's democracy is younger than me is something that I always have to keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm like mind blown right now. <laughs> Now that you've, as you say, you've been on this learning journey, educating others about Taiwan as well, what do you think it means to be Taiwanese? This is a question that I reflected a lot when I was a teenager and in my 20s. And I think being Taiwanese, Taiwanese American, means learning about my people's own story, sharing the story, also learning more stories from other communities and to help share those stories too. So I guess, you know, in an in easier sentence is that I think being Taiwanese means being an ally, preserving and promoting human rights globally, and standing firmly on the side of democratic values. I think to be Taiwanese means being resilient too. Hmm. So for some of the interviews I've done so far, sometimes they would apologize if um, the conversation starts to get as they say, a little political. <laughs> and I find mm-hmm. that in my family as well, um, they're kind of scared to go too close to politics. Mm. I want to know your thoughts on it, on a lot of the Taiwanese nowadays sort of being scared to be political. It's really interesting because when I first got started in it all, I, I don't really think it's super political, right? It has to do with your identity. As I mentioned earlier, you know, my parents always told me that I'm Taiwanese, you know, it's just that's, that's your identity, right? You know, like, if, if your parents grew up and told you you're Italian, you'd be like, yeah, I'm Italian, I'm Italian American. It's, 
it's just like that, right? And I, I just felt that it's important to know this history, to know the country of where your parents come from, what they're going through, where they stand on the international stage. And I can understand that it can be scary. I understand that it may be intimidating, but saying that you're Taiwanese is, is a political statement too at the same time. When you say you're Taiwanese, you're saying that, hi, I appreciate and respect and safeguard human rights. You're saying, I believe in democracy. You're saying that you are resilient and you want to stand as an ally with others that may be facing difficult times in their own country because you know that Taiwan has overcome it as well. After chatting with Jenny, it brought home to me that being Taiwanese is being political. It's in the DNA. And if we want the Taiwan we know to live on for our kids, our grandkids, we need to get involved in our own way. Taiwan needs allies. Will you help be an ally? Support Keep Taiwan Free by following them on social media. And I'm ordering my copy of The Green Island. If you'd like to nominate a Taiwan Yuan, please let me know at cindy at taiwanyuan.co. Taiwan Jiao.